0: hey everybody my name is tom as chris said and today we are wrapping up this elephant in the room series by covering the elephant in the teenager's room i have four teenagers therefore i am talking today actually um one of them just graduated out of teenageness uh to the ripe old age of 20 so um praise god hallelujah and uh, i got three more to go yeah Um, the first elephant in the room when we're talking about the elephant in the teenage room is what in the world do we mean by a teenager's room? Because every other room in this series so far has been pretty well defined and you could go into your house and point to it. The elephant in the kitchen, the elephant in the basement, the elephant in the bedroom. But what's a teenager's room? Uh, quite frankly, it could be any room a teenager's in. So I was thinking, well, you could say more than likely it might be the messiest room of the house. Now, teens don't hate me, but like if there's a teenager in the house and you go around, the messiest room might very well belong to a teenager. You could also say that a uh, teenage room might be the room that is most off limits. Uh, whether or not there's a sign on the door, adolescence is a time of saying, um, I'm going to draw my boundaries and I would like for you to stay out, please. And why is that? Well, because during adolescence, it's a time of figuring out Things like dependence and independence, kind of feeling your way by yourself, even interdependence, uh, your ability to kind of uh, lean on each other and work with the world around you. And you guys are the world around teenagers. So that's why this applies to you today. And if you're thinking you want to check out like this doesn't have anything to do with you. No, 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 no. There's at least two reasons why it does have something to do with you. First is you were a teenager once. So you're going to be able to understand this one way or another. And second, there are teenagers in your world, whether you like it or not. There are teens that you're going to bump into. So first of all, you were a teenager once. Think back to when you were a teenager. And if that kind of gives you a little bit of the shudders or shakes, it's okay. Um, It may very well have been the best time of your life or at least something you look back fondly on. But um, for a lot of us, it was kind of frustrating, maybe a little confusing because you had all sorts of new freedoms that you got to have. And maybe like kind of the power uh, to do things that you never had before, but you didn't necessarily have, uh, at least I didn't, the common sense uh, to be able to use those. And I'm not saying teenagers are ignorant. It's they don't necessarily have years of experience built up. So you have new ways of getting into trouble, but not necessarily the wisdom to be able to get out of it or to avoid it. So all of those have something to do with why you might want to pay attention. In fact, you might have already wondered when you bump into teenagers, why they don't see things your way fact, You might say like, why are all the teenagers now? So screwed up nowadays. Well, first of all, more than likely you were screwed up when you were a teenager. Just be honest with yourself. And uh, second of all, we're all screwed up. Everybody's screwed up. You just need to be honest with yourself. Um, and finally the jar is a place for screwed up people. If you are screwed up, welcome. (laughs) If you're a teenager, you're in the right place. You know, you did it great. The difference is between when we grew up and when teens are growing up now, between then and now is the the number of ways you can get into trouble has greatly multiplied. And it's so, so, so easy to do it nowadays. So it's really not exactly like when we were growing up at all. In fact, there's not just one elephant in the room for teenagers nowadays. There's a whole herd of elephants rampaging through the rooms of teenagers. And I I put together a list that um, really is not comprehensive at all. It just barely scratches the surface. If you want to know the, the elephants in the room of your teenager, just ask them. Ask them maybe what's typical of teens. But here's like some that are just easy. Basically things like drugs and porn and sex and technology that enables those. And things like anxiety and depression. The first three you might say, well, come on, Tom. Those have been around for a long time. We all had to struggle with those. What's so special about that now? Well, it's the prevalence of them now, how easily available they are and how much they are more a part of teen culture than when maybe perhaps we were growing up. Technology is its own unique elephant. Holy cow. No elephant we're talking about Um, elephant because it's basically it enables all the other ones. And if you look at teenagers nowadays there, you could call them as a subset of Generation Z, the first entirely digital Basically, generation in our country. It's not just that they have smartphones or devices and that they're on social media and all sorts of platforms online all the time. It's that they don't know anything else, that there really wasn't a time before that. Like, that's all the world is to them. And I'm not saying that they have to automatically get enveloped in that world. It's just they don't know of anything else. It's always been there for them. And unfortunately, because those devices are always prevalent and because they spend so much time online, it's so easy for them to accidentally wander into things like drugs and porn and sex. (sighs) Parents, you don't have to go looking for it. It comes looking for you and it gets in your face. And you really have to do like an amazing job if you want to somehow shield your children from that. It's just going to be there for them. One way or another. So the final one, the anxiety and depression, you need to understand, of course, we've always struggled with that. Teenage years is a time where you always have to wrestle with some form of feeling alienated or isolated. But, man, did the pandemic do a number on our teens. Because last year, when you think about it, when, when school got cut off, truncated, and all the kids went home, well, there went their ability to socialize with other teens. There went their ability to access social services, health care that was often provided through the schools. So this growing sense of isolation crept in. And I'm sorry, even with school started this year, it's really hard to break that. I, I really think our teachers and administrators are doing a great job. But at least the high school that my two high schoolers go to, it's kind of encouraged to not talk with people and not interact with people and pretty much stay to yourself. So it really doesn't automatically lend itself to socializing. And as a result, mental illness is on the rise in teens and as unfortunately is uh, teen suicide. So those are a few of the elephants in the room of teenagers. But if you ask me, they, they kind of all relate to, they all revolve around or have something to do with the biggest elephant in the room. And that's their sense of identity. That is our big idea for the day is identity. Because if you remember about the definition of the elephant in the room, that phrase, it's something that everybody knows about, but nobody wants to talk about because it makes us uncomfortable or it's embarrassing or it's controversial. So if there's a teen that wants to talk about them struggling with their identity, their, their, their very sense of self, first of all, they don't know who to talk with. Who's, who's a safe person to do that? Second of all, they might not even have the vocabulary to do it yet. That They're still developing that. They're still figuring things out. So it might make you uncomfortable if they try to talk with you about it. You might be a bit uncomfortable if somebody approaches you and says, Hey, I really need to talk with you about... Pick, pick any one of these. Pick one that I didn't pick. Gender identity. Hey, I think I might kind of like feel like I'm identifying as a girl or a boy. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This makes me very uncomfortable. And you might be thinking, why is that? Well, first of all, if you are younger than a teenager, if you're younger than a teenager... You're still pretty good with whatever identity is told to you. You might not always agree with it, but you're okay with just accepting who you are, who your parents say you are, or maybe who your coach says you is, or the teachers. You're okay with that. You don't really want to fight about it yet. That comes during your teenage years, but you're okay with it. You're just willing to accept that for now. If you're older than a teenager, you think you have this sense of identity figured out. Pretty much as you start going through your work life, unfortunately, whether it's right or wrong, you tend to associate yourself with your job. My identity is what I do. My identity is my title. Maybe it's the degree that I got. It's um, who my boss says I am. That's my identity. And that's why it's super hard as an adult if you lose your job, because that just takes an amazing blow to your sense of identity. You thought you were something, but now you're not. Uh, COVID did this to large numbers of people because everybody got sent home at one point unless you were a essential worker. And so well, let's say you were a manager of a production line in a factory. Well, you get sent home. You're not really a manager. You're kind of like semi on vacation. But then if that turns into a furlough and the furlough turns into something else and eventually you're at home thinking, wow, I need to go find a job. I'm not managing anything. I'm managing the cats. I'm managing the yards. You know, like that's not really what I was thinking I was going to do. As adults, we don't like that when our sense of identity becomes a bit wobbly, a bit unsure. We're we're not we're not comfortable with that at all. We're just not entirely sure what to do with it. So we try to get out of it. We try to get out of it, ASAP, because if we have to stay there for a while, it hurts. Anybody who has dealt with infertility understands this. You, you, you were just fine being a couple, but then you thought you were going to be parents. And then, by whatever means, however it happened to you, now you have to deal with not only that grief, you're not going to be parents, but what are you? You're sort of like wannabe parents. And you can't quite get there. You're stuck in the in-between. And it stinks. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's the in-between that makes us uncomfortable. It's a killer sometimes. We hate being in the in-between. In-between roles, in-between identities, in-between jobs. We, we just want to get through it as fast as we can. We, we want to get on to the next act of the play. We hate the intermission. But sometimes the intermission won't end. And you're waiting for the next act to start, but you just keep waiting and waiting. So, if you are an adult, and you can think of any of those times when you were stuck in the in-between, now maybe you understand a little bit more about what it's like to be a teenager. Maybe you'd forgotten that part. I know I had. Maybe you had forgotten about the struggle with the in-between. Maybe you have a little bit more common ground than you thought. And if you're a teen, if you're a teen listening to this, watching this, I want you to understand you're not alone. Everything tries to tell you you're alone. Maybe you even try to tell yourself you're alone, but you're not. There's actually way more people than you can think of who who share a little bit of your story and, and if they think back to it, they can remember that and they can commiserate with you. You're not alone. One of the things I would like for you to do then as a teen any teen that's hearing this is it's a little bit of homework it's a little bit of homework don't whine it's very it's very tiny. There's just one question I want you to ask an adult can you tell me about a time that you had to struggle with the in-between? Because I think if you can hear a little bit of their story, it might help you understand. And maybe they can understand you a little bit better. So just ask them, can you tell me about a time when you had to struggle through the in-between? And then you don't have to say anything more. Just sit down and listen. So it's really easy homework for you teens. What you might find is one big difference is that for adults, for adults, um, the in-between might only have lasted uh, weeks, maybe months, maybe a year. Maybe a couple, it depends. A death in the family, that really kind of takes it out of you for a long time. But teens, I'm sorry, you're in this for the long haul. Uh, what, seven years, if you're just counting teenage years? Seven years, holy cow, that's like 49 dog years. And that like that, that can literally like seem like forever, especially to parents. So it might take a while compared to the others. And unfortunately for teenagers, you have this extra added bonus of... Not only are you trying to figure out your place in the world, but the world is trying to put you in your place. So there are voices in the world around you that are trying to tell you who you are, try to tell you what to do, try to tell you your identity. And so that's the difficulty that you face. And in fact, some of the biggest voices for teens nowadays, which didn't exist for me when I was a teen, but um, they would be influencers. And you kind of think of like social media influencers, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, whatever. It's um, influencers, uh, people with followings, with subscribers. um, And you think, well, I don't necessarily... If you're a teen, you're like, I don't necessarily do everything they say. Well, I understand that, but you pay a lot of attention to them, don't you? And so those are prevalent voices in your ears trying to tell you who you should be, perhaps, who you really ought to be. And that's why teens need good influencers in their life as well. I'm not saying all social media is bad. But I'm saying they need positive voices giving them support and encouragement and trying to tell them that, hey, you know what? You're not alone. There's a God that loves you. And if you allow him to be a part of your life, he can really help you. So we have at the JAR, uh, we have youth groups for middle school, for high school. We have ways for you to be able to get together with others, maybe kind of like, you know, socialize and interact and realize you're not alone and do something fun together. And realize the adults aren't aren't all against you. And most importantly, here's something positive of, you know what? There's a God who loves you just as you are. You don't have to change a thing. You don't have to be any different than you are. He loves you just as you are. And you can't stop him from loving you. That's the cool thing. So let me give you an example of that uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, This is a church so you knew we were going to bring the Bible in at some point, weren't we? Um, there's a story in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's about these guys with difficult names, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, if that's too hard for you, just call them Shad, Mesh, and Abe. Uh, but they, uh, they were in their country of Israel, and it was invaded by another army from Babylonia and defeated, and these youth were hauled off. These three guys, they're teenagers. They were hauled off along with Daniel. That's why he's writing this book, uh, they were hauled off to Babylonia. They were given new names. They were given new jobs. They worked for the king. They had to assimilate. That's, what, that's why the king did that. And so they did what I'm sure any good teenage boys would do. They probably took a second look at the Babylonian girls. Wow. And they probably uh, picked up um, an ear for Babylonian rap music or whatever that was back then. And they probably started spouting Babylonian slang like uh, Gucci and fire and yeet and things, which are really, really actual slang terms nowadays. But, you know, it's, they make as much sense as back then. But they, they adapted. They adapted into culture. They, they essentially became, to a certain extent, Babylonians. They worked for the king, and they were actually pretty good at it, by all accounts. But they didn't sell out. And that's the thing, because at some point, the king asked them to do something they refused to do. He asked them to worship him. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar, he built this uh, big golden statue and he said, hey, when you hear the music, everybody bow down and worship me. Uh, he's on a power trip. He's a king. He can do whatever he wants to. But these three youths they say, no way, Jose. And man, he didn't like that because his name isn't Jose. they He knew that they they had come from another country. What he didn't know is that they knew who God was and they knew they were children of God. They had been adopted into his family. Uh, their people were belong to God and they weren't going to give that up. So they told him that despite all the Babylonian culture had to offer them uh, fame and fortune and hot Babylonian babes and the lure of Babylonian hip hop. They said, no, 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 no. Okay, we understand our identity rests in God. So we're going to go ahead and put our foot down and say, no, that made the king furious. And uh, as much as he wanted to go ahead and kill him right then and there, he liked them. They were actually very good at what they did. Very good administrators in his kingdom. So he said, okay, I'll give you another shot at this. You guys bow down and worship my statue. We'll call it even. All is good. But if you don't, and that's where we're going to join it today. We're actually going to put the scripture on the, up on the screen here. And uh, I'll go ahead and read through it. You guys can follow along. Or you can follow in your Bibles. Or you can follow on your Bible apps. But King Nebuch- Nebuchadnezzar says to these three youth." But if you don't worship it, he's talking about his little idol, you will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. You take the little like sassiness there, like the teen saltiness. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And, and that's where I'm going to stop. If you want to read about what happens to him, you got to do it. You know, you got to go read the Bible. Read, read Daniel. That's in chapter three. You'll love it. But I'm stopping right here because I want you to see these are teens standing up to the king They had everything to lose by saying this. And they would have had everything to gain by just bowing down to a statue. They knew it was a statue. They knew it wasn't a god. So they could have done it. They could have assimilated that much more, adapted into culture that much more, but they didn't. So any teens hearing this, this is for you. They decided their identity lay in God. And so they were willing to shove off the culture for that important thing. That didn't mean that they avoided culture for everything. But for that, they were unwilling to bend. They knew their identity lay in God rather than the culture that was trying to define them. Unless you think that's just a thing for boys, like, oh, they were strong young men. No, 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 no. Read the book of Esther. Holy cow. Talk about girl power. Because she was also a young girl, also in the same country, also pulled out to Babylonia. And she had to adapt and she rose up to become queen, second only to the king. But at some point she realized, hey, you know what? If I don't speak up and say, I am a child of God, my people are holy and belong to him. We've been adopted by him. Then they're going to get killed off. So she risked her neck, literally could have died quite easily. In order to stick to her guns and say, you know what? Um. My identity lays in God, not in being the queen of this empire that you have built. It's an awesome story. You'll love it. Teenage girls, read Esther. And then next week, read Daniel. And boys, do the opposite. You will love it. You will love it. Break out your Bible. Dust it off. You will love it. Or get on your app. Uh, I recommend version. It's awesome. You'll love it. But the rest of you might be saying, so what about the rest of us? I I said no whining, so please don't say that. What about the rest of us? We like, you know, we don't even have teens and we don't like teens and we don't want to bump into teens. What, what is this? Did we waste our time by coming today? No, 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 no. You have um, a couple of things you can do as your homework and uh, basically talk about this with your small group. Talk about it with some other adult or maybe talk about it with a teen that, you know, that's your homework. Three things. I want you to understand and I want you to listen and I want you to pray. And if that sounds too hard, then pick one. Come on, just pick one and do it. Understand because I want you to understand the world that teens are growing up in is not your world You grew up in a different world They're growing up in this world and you know what I'd even go further than that. I would say Even if you sit down on a park bench with a teen The world that they swim in is not the world you swim in two different worlds As a result Sometimes you got to cut them some slack You got to extend them a little bit of grace just like you have been extended grace Second, I want you to listen. And you might think, well, isn't that a good idea any time? Yes, you're absolutely right. That's why James said in the New Testament, he was talking to his uh, Christian uh, friends in the early church. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, this works with kids any age in your family. It doesn't have to be just teens. And it'll work with your spouse. It'll work with your significant other. It'll work with any relationships. You need to listen first, be slow to speak, and slow to anger. And finally, pray for them. Pray for teens. Pray for teens when you see them. Pray for them when they're in front of you. Feel free to go ahead and just pray out loud with them. Pray for them as they roll through your landscape like tumbleweeds. Just pray for them. If you see a girl crying, just say like, Hey, Lord, please reveal yourself to them. That's actually how I'd love for you to pray for them. Because you know, if, if they could see God as he truly is, then they would have a chance to decide. They would have a chance to choose him. That's it. You can't choose for them. As a parent, please don't try to choose for them. You can bring them to church, sure. You can take them to youth group, sure. But don't try to force them into a relationship with God. But you can sure pray that God reveals himself to them. If you see some boy doing something stupid, and you're just like, ah, rather than pray, you know, Dear Jesus, please slap some sense into that boy. Just say like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to him. Because whatever he's doing that's dangerous to himself or others, maybe, just maybe, God can reveal himself in a way that they can say, oh, you know what? I don't have to do that. Um, I'm not so sure about this God, but maybe I want to get to know him better. So pray for them. Pray for them because if they could understand God's for them rather than against them, and that um, they can choose him, then perhaps they would be able to root their identity in him rather than in the culture that swirls around them. Because it does. And it calls out to them. And you can too. You can make that sort of decision. Whether you're 6 or 16 or 60, you too can choose to have your identity rooted in Jesus. All you have to do is let him define you and tell you how much you are worth rather than culture try to tell you that. I'd recommend you go ahead and listen to him because he's the one who created you. Um, He says it this way through his prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. And in order to claim that identity as a child of God, all you got to do, all you got to do is just believe and receive. Believe him as he is and receive him as a gift. Uh, Jesus had a disciple named John and he put it this way. He said, But to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe, maybe you have never considered that before. Maybe you've been afraid that God is like a judgmental God who's going to come after you and kind of tear into you for all that you've ever done wrong. He won't. He'll welcome you with open arms as a loving father. Father. And he will consider you to be a beloved daughter, a beloved son. Maybe you've already taken that step before, but you've drifted. Maybe you've let something drive a wedge between you and God. Maybe it's been even something like church that kind of pushed you away. Or churchy people, they tend to do that. But you can decide, you can decide to reclaim your birthright as a child of God. Your identity as belonging to him. It's just as simple as you returning and telling them that. And and if you want to do that, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Let's go ahead and pray together, all right? Here we go. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have loved each and every one of us just for being us. Thank you for being such a loving God. That even before we were born, you knew us and you loved us. Thank you. And now we want to pray for all the teens in our life. We want to pray for every teen that you place in our life, whether we've realized it or not. Please forgive us for when we look down on them as different than us. Please open our eyes to what they're going through. And even when we can't understand, help us to have grace for them. Help them to see you, Jesus, as you really are. The Son of God who would come down to die for them so that their sins could be wiped clean and they could be free free from everything that tries to drag them down, free from everything that tries to shackle them into a life that they don't deserve, that they can be free because you paid that price. So now today, for those of us that are gathered here and watching online, if you want to believe in Jesus and receive him into your heart, if you want to come back to him and reclaim your birthright, your sense of identity in him, then I invite you to share this prayer with me. And let's all pray it. Feel free to pray aloud after me because no one prays alone here at the jar. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine.